0: Module two, subject one, inflation. Key questions answered. What is inflation? How does inflation impact us? How is inflation measured? What causes inflation? And how do governments benefit from inflation? With module one behind us, we are ready to explore the effects of inflation and how having the ability to manipulate the money supply In a way that reduces a currency's scarcity leads to inflation. A quick note before jumping in. We will reference the US many times throughout this course. We will use the US as most people are familiar with the US dollar. Additionally, the US dollar is the global reserve currency, and its financial system is the backbone of the entire world. Any monetary or financial disruption experienced by the United States, generally reverberates throughout the international community and global economy, given the US dollar's status as a global reserve currency. As we will see in this section, and as will be echoed throughout this course, inflation is the outcome of trying to target continuous growth. Inflation is often referred to as the hidden tax because it erodes our buying power, while reducing the burden of government debt It is one of the major byproducts of our monetary policy, and it should be taught in our educational system. Primarily, those with the most barriers to wealth creation tend to feel its effects most. Inflation, by definition, is a persistent increase in the level of consumer prices or a persistent decline in the purchasing power of money, and it can be better understood as too many dollars chasing not enough goods, causing prices to rise how does inflation impact us? A quick note before diving in. We refer to yearly inflation rate when we talk about inflation in percentage terms. For instance, 3% inflation means 3% per year or annum. Let's think about a fictional example of how exactly inflation causes the loss of purchasing power over time. In his old ways, Grandpa Joe stores his entire life savings in a suitcase under his bed. In this large suitcase, he has $500,000 in cash. He gives the suitcase to his grandson, George, and says, promise me you won't touch this money for 30 years. George does as his grandfather requested, but little did Grandpa Joe know that George would live through a period of persistent inflation. Let's assume that the inflation rate during this period was 3%. We can see the table below what this impact of this inflation had on the purchasing power of George's inherited wealth over 30 years. We can see after the first year of George holding on to that money in the suitcase, his purchasing power had reduced to $485,436. At first glance, that doesn't seem too dramatic, however, if we look further out, that 3% inflation slowly erodes his purchasing power, getting worse with each year that passes due to the compounding. By the time Joe can finally spend the inheritance, it only buys him the equivalent of what $205,994 would have purchased him on the day he received it. 3% inflation slowly chipped away at George's purchasing power and destroyed nearly 60% of his savings. Now, What if inflation was a lot higher? Let's look at 10% for comparison. That same $500,000 would have the equivalent of the purchasing power of $28,654 30 years later. That's a loss of nearly 95% of its value. We've gone from buying a house to barely affording a car. It kind of makes you wonder what the current inflation levels are, right? The conservative numbers Published in the US for October 2021 was 6.2%. In other words, if that trend continues, the money we put away today will be worth about 75% less than when we need it in retirement 30 years from now. This forces us to save through investment, which bears different risks, such as market downturns, corporate insolvency, political risk, etc. Why do we use such large numbers in this example? After all, $500,000 seems like an absolute dream to most. We chose this number to illustrate what inflation can do to entire lifetime of savings over 30 years. The amount of money that could purchase a home 30 years ago will only buy you a modest car today. However, it is essential to highlight that inflation has the same impact no matter the starting amount. For instance, $500 dollars Would decay to a measly $28.65 from a tv to a burger and a beer how is inflation measured most of us are probably familiar with one or all of the following terms the consumer price index cpi core inflation or core cpi these terms are all used interchangeably as they all essentially mean the same thing but for clarity, we will use CPI to represent any and all moving forward. CPI is the key measure by which most central planners, that's central banks, the Federal Reserve, governments, measure inflation in the economy. It is also one of the key inputs into their decision-making process regarding monetary policy, which is money printing, and fiscal policy, which is government spending. CPI is essentially a basket of goods that central planners use to keep track of prices over time. If you can monitor the price of something over the long term, you can watch the effects of inflation. The problem is, that basket of goods is not constant. They are always tweaking and changing what's in the basket. It's like trying to build a house with a ruler that changes its length every time we look at it. Furthermore, inflation means different things to different people. If we were a single mother with young children, our personal basket of goods looks a lot different than what Grandpa Joe's were in the example above. A single mother's basket of expenses may include things like groceries, electricity, school books, school fees, clothing, rent, car payments, and fuel, just to name a few. Grandpa Joe may have healthcare and medical expenses, but no educational outgoings in his basket of goods. The point is that inflation is unique to each and every person, as everyone's spending habits, preferences, lifestyle, and personal situation is different. Take note that a few expenditures mentioned above are universal, like food and energy. Therefore, you would assume that government would want to closely monitor these expenditures to better track inflation. Not so fast. Just as we were, you may be shocked to find out that Core CPI used to dictate government monetary policy does not include food or energy. You can be forgiven if you had to reread that, but we assure you that this is true, at least in the US. Most governments worldwide are similar in that their basket of goods used to track their version of CPI fails to represent those expenses that often mean the most to their citizens. So why does this seem like such an inaccurate measure? Firstly, CPI influences monetary policy and fiscal policy. The lower the CPI figure, the more incentive governments have to stimulate the economy. Secondly, tax brackets, Social Security, and Medicare are tied to CPI. In other words, as CPI decreases, tax revenues increase, and Social Security and Medicare expenses decrease. For every 1.1% drop in CPI, the government gains one trillion in tax and Medicare savings over 10 years. For example, suppose that Grandpa Joe is retired and receives his full social security benefits. Each year, his benefits are adjusted to keep pace with CPI. The higher the CPI number, the more significant the raise he receives year over year. In other words, the federal government benefits when inflation is underreported. The lower CPI, the greater the savings to their budgets. We have to ask, is CPI an adequate measure of inflation? As an example of the erroneous nature of CPI, shadowstats.com is a site where the author keeps track of inflation figures using the same basket of goods that were reported in the 80s and the 90s. We can see from the graph below that the US inflation figures in 2021 are more like nine to 14% and have ranged anywhere from two to 15% over the past four decades when we look at the 1980s basket of goods. If we refer back to our example with Grandpa Joe, where we have inflation of 10%, it is no wonder that so many of us find it hard to get ahead. What causes inflation? There can be many causes of inflation, but the main one to focus on for now is money printing. You may have noticed that governments worldwide have been increasingly printing money. When we left the gold standard in 1971, as mentioned under the key events, this was the start of the print our way out of trouble regime. Since the great financial crisis in 2008, we have seen the growth of monetary expansion increase at an alarming pace. And our response to COVID-19 pandemic has made it worse. Many terms are used to describe this, quantitative easing and economic stimulus, but these are all fancy terms used to describe the same thing, increasing the supply of money in circulation. How does this cause inflation? Simply put, more money in circulation is chasing the same number of goods and services, resulting in rising prices. Look at the below figure for M2 money supply. M2 is the physical cash and savings deposits held at banks for Americans. Note the dramatic upticks in the trend around 2008 and 2020. This tells us that more money is chasing the same amount of goods and assets, leading to the increased prices we experience today. If you don't live in America, try and find a similar metric for your country. Chances are, it looks very similar, as most governments had to keep printing in lockstep with the US in order to not create shifts in currency strengths and weaknesses. Shifts in currency can have their own devastating impacts on economies, so everyone had to follow the US's lead. How do governments benefit from inflation? The Fed openly targets a 2% year-over-year inflation rate. To quote them, the Federal Open Market Committee, FOMC, judges that inflation of 2% over the longer run, as measured by the annual change in the price index for personal consumption expenditures, is most consistent with the Fed's mandate for price stability. In layman's terms, the Fed seeks to achieve 2% annual increase in the price of goods and price stability. Instead of taking these targets as gospel, we should ask ourselves, does it make sense to target inflation and price stability? We live in a world where we're constantly striving to get more for less by increasing efficiency and productivity. For instance, cars were invented to reduce time traveling Mass production was introduced to reduce the cost of goods to the consumer. The internet was born to aid communication and increase information sharing and consumption. Music streaming was created to consolidate music into one easy-to-access space. And movies on demand gave everyone access to shows without having to travel to the movie store. And the list goes on. At no point has human ingenuity been used to get less for more with the exception of inflation targeting. Although it is possible to see prices rise, natural inflation, through structural demographic changes, or supply and demand imbalances, prices of non-scarce goods, services, and assets tend to fall in the long run as technology and production increase. However, by targeting inflation, the Fed actively aims for a steady increase in prices over time, they can achieve this through monetary expansion, which creates a slow decay in the purchasing power of the currency, and in turn, an increase in the cost of goods, services, and assets. This is not natural. Instead, as technology advances and we see increased productivity, prices should naturally decline and the currency should strengthen, allowing us to buy more for less. If inflation hurts everyday citizens, It would be logical, if inflation hurts everyday citizens, it would be logical for one to question why target inflation at all? Shouldn't the goal be no inflation? Although governments target inflation for many reasons, one major reason is that if they can make their dollar debt cheaper to pay back over time through inflation, they can spend more and invest more. When their debt levels are so significant that they're impossible to pay back, they look to devalue the currency. To help reduce the debt burden their choices are increase taxes people notice as their income decreases decrease spending sometimes not possible without systemic collapse drive inflation the responsibility and blame is diluted because inflation is everywhere and the burden can be shifted to the greedy corporations guess which one they choose remember Inflation aids debt holders and hurts wage earners, as inflation gives us the artificial perception of growth at the expense of the currency's purchasing power. What's more, our system is set up so the politicians are only in place for fixed term lengths, three to four years. This puts politicians in a predicament, as it is hard at times to choose the option best suited for long-term prosperity of the economy when it is at the short-term detriment of the balance sheet we will better understand these problems and solutions further in this course. But won't all our personal debts be inflated away too? Inflation indeed makes government debt cheaper to pay back. It is also true that personal debt becomes more affordable to pay back in the long term, but it is essential to highlight that inflation significantly impacts our ability to service our debt in the short to medium term, making life difficult for those living paycheck to paycheck. Inflation hits our wallet through the increased prices of everyday goods like fuel, energy, and groceries. This directly impacts our ability to service our debts and financial obligations, pressuring us to make difficult sacrifices leading to a lower quality of life. Additionally, by reducing the debt burden, you encourage a fiscally irresponsible consumption-based economy, but more on that later. As an individual, in order to stay afloat, we need our wages to keep up with inflation if our wage growth lags inflation, for each year inflation persists, we are robbed of purchasing power. For example, if we had a great year and our boss rewards us with a pay rise of 5%, yet inflation is 7%, the reality is that we've had a 2% loss of purchasing power, not the increase in purchasing power we had initially thought we gained from our pay rise. It is therefore vital that wage growth outpaces inflation. The below chart illustrates our lagging real wages versus other key economic metrics. In summary, inflation erodes the purchasing power of wage earners and benefits debt holders at the expense of savers. Inflation is little understood and is often misreported. At the very least, to get ahead of inflation, make sure your wage growth outpaces inflation. Reflection questions. Does your country's current reported inflation rate match the rise in prices in your area. Weighing up the advantages and disadvantages of inflation, do you think it is beneficial or not?